Hello, and welcome to the Inspiring Leadership Podcast. We trust you'll benefit from our unique lineup of CEOs, generals, and leaders from all business sectors. Whether you're an aspiring, inspiring leader or a seasoned leader seeking further motivation, this podcast provides you with practical life tips, sound wisdom, and world-class leadership advice. I'm your host, Jonathan Bowman-Perks. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's Inspiring Leadership Podcast. I am deeply honoured to have the world's first double above-the-knee amputee who summited Mount Everest. In 2010, Harry Buddha Magar lost both his legs above the knee when serving with one Royal Gurkha Rifles in Afghanistan to an IED, who knows, probably planted by uh, the Iranians, but that's another story. Determined to change the perceptions of what is possible for people with disability, he reached the summit of Mount Everest around 3 p.m. Nepal time on the 19th of May, 2023. Harry's 43 years old, and he's with us today on the podcast. It's a deep honor, Harry. Welcome to the Inspiring Leadership Podcast. Uh, thank you for having me, John. Yeah, I think, should I say Ram Ramazur? <laughs> uh, yeah, we say Namaste. Namaste. Namaste <laughs> is a big greeting. And also, I have a note from my good friend, General Himalaya Tapper, who is Nepalese. Mm-hmm. And um, General Himalaya said to me, let me see if I can find this from him. He said um, that it's so important that you climbed Sagarmatha. Sagamatha, the goddess of yes, the sky. Yes, Sagamatha. Yeah. yeah. In uh, and he uh, said, please greet him with Namaste and ask him, Kasto Huna Huncha. Mike Dumpik too. <laughs> Say hello and Namaste and salam to him. Okay, I will. So that's um, General Himalaya Tapa, who, um, interesting enough for you, he's going to be on the podcast in the future. He was the general in charge of post earthquake uh, help in Nepal. And he lives in Nepal as well. So he's a good friend. He came and stayed with us here in Lincolnshire. Um, and uh, we had him with us for um, about about a week, which was great, with my other friend, Errol Stewart from Jamaica. So we were all in the army together at Sandhurst. Anyway, look, it's great having you on the show. Um, I just deep respect for what you went through. There's, there's an awful lot of coverage. You've been to the House of Lords where you met uh, General Lord David Richards, who's going to be on the show in the future. You're also uh, strongly supported by my old commanding officer, Major General Lamont Kirkland, who will be coming on the show as well with um, the uh, Team Forces charity. And there's a number of other charities we'll talk about later that you have supported, but also who helped you. Um, And when you summited, you had a fascinating friend of yours, Krish, who was in the SAS Mountain Troop and had summited three times. Is that right? I think he submitted uh, once and um, uh, been Everest for three times. Okay, somebody once and been at Everest. But anyway, he um, was a great help to you and you had an amazing team around you. But look, um, Mount Everest, I mean, wow. Uh, what motivated you to go and climb Mount Everest? Um Yes, I think uh, in initial stage when when I said um, I'm going to climb Mount Everest, and I think many people, you know, thought that I was mad, <laughs> <laughs> and many people even they they said, "Are you crazy?" And, and I, you know, and 
and I think I'm a little bit mad, I think, a little bit crazy, but I'm trying not to be stupid. And I, I will try to be on the, on the mountain, especially on the mountain, I told them. Um, uh, John, uh, uh, you know, I grew up in Nepal um, up to age of 19 um, and um, uh, looking the mountain pretty much every day. And uh, from very small, uh, you know, child, we were educated that Mount Everest is the tallest peak in the world and it's in Nepal. Uh, and, uh, you know, always fascinated by reading the story of Sir Edmund Hillary and Tenjing Norge, who uh, ascended, um, uh, you know, on Mount Everest. Uh, and I always, I was always fascinated. I uh, couldn't definitely, you know, wouldn't afford to do it in the, in, you know, when a boy is working with, <laughs> with no shoes. Um, and um, I couldn't do it when I was in the service as well. Um, and when I was just, you know, skiing in Europe and America and looking just a mountain, it was just reminding me um, when I, whenever I see the snow-capped mountain, it is, it always is reminded me that, uh, you know, about Mount Everest. And I was just wondering how am I going to climb it without legs? Uh, and this is where later I met um, my friend, uh, Chris Tapa, my expedition leader. Uh, and he gave me opportunity to test myself and he helped me out. So we went to climb Mount Everest. Wow. Well, I mean, you chose a year. I think it was described as one of the most deadly years um, where 17 other people died on that mountain. Could have been you, could have been any of your team, but... They didn't. Um, but when you were, as as many say, people underestimate the challenge of Everest. And when they get to the summit, they go, yeah, great. We've reached the summit. That's it. That's only like not even half the story because you've got to get back down again. And the journey back down again, I think, was a tough one for you. What 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 happened on the journey back down? Um, yeah, coming down. So we, we 11 of us went for a summit. Uh, and uh, uh, you know, five days, uh, five guys came down from balcony, um, and one guy couldn't catch us up, and he also came down. So five of us submitted. Uh, uh, you know, ten past three in the afternoon. Um, yeah, after after spending about 10, 15 minutes, uh, we we came down, and as we were coming down, um, we realized that you know. Uh, we 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 were we were shortest of oxygen. Um, so two Sherpas when once once we 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 approached the Hillary step when they're coming down, um, you know they just uh, went down with our oxygen to just save their life. And um, very luckily, those two both guys reached camp for safely. Uh, and also uh, as a you know half point. Uh, of the South Summit, my oxygen ran out again. Mm. And um, uh, the last Serpa, he gave me his oxygen uh, and he went down and he said, I will wait here at the balcony if there is oxygen. And so uh, unfortunately, there was no oxygen at the balcony. So he went down without oxygen as well. Uh, again, luckily, he arrived uh, camp four. And... Um, we, I and my brother, we, we just up there, when we were at balcony, I think we had about uh, maybe 30, 45 minutes um, after oxygen left. Uh, we reduced our oxygen intake from 
I, I I was taking at three and you know reduced to two and my brother was taking at uh, um, two and reduced to one um, uh, and yeah from South Summit pretty much I just on my back I bombed down holding the fixed fixed line up to the wall of the camp um, camp four um, yeah then when we were going up I, it got dark on the balcony and when we're coming down it got dark again at the balcony uh, and uh, the headlight we used was uh, very, um, uh, you know, my headlight was already taken by the guys who went down. Uh, and my brother's headlight was, you know, it was used for a whole night. So it was very dim. Uh, yeah, and when you were coming down, you could see, you know, next day climbers coming up. You can, you can see their headlights. Uh, fortunately, the first guy was assistant kitchen chef um, for the camp too. And he never been up there. He brought two bottles of oxygen uh, for us um, and hot water. Um, and he um, yeah, he brought um, up and yeah, he saved us. Wow. So, and later other team came joined and yeah, yeah. Yeah. Chef Lita came for. Harry, I'm so relieved because having read a number of books, it's been a particular study of mine, Everest, um friends of mine a husband and wife team uh were the first british husband and wife team to go up there uh pauline and her husband but books like into thin air where so many died and so many were close to coming down and it was on the coming down where many of the problems happened they ran out of air or they went to their tent and someone had taken their food or someone had taken their oxygen and 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 people tended to get quite selfish, but yet you had a people who were very generous and helped each other. And you mentioned your brother. Was it literally your own brother, or was did you call him your brother, as in no, a friend? He, he, he was my biological youngest brother. Yeah. Wow. Tell me and about. He, and, and he was injured his arm, um, and he went with a broken collarbone um, to the top um, because there not not many guys. Went up. Wow. Wow. So it's not just one of you in your family. There's this the two of you. And and are your I, I I'm wondering, are your parents still alive or have they both died? Uh my dad is is, is still alive. Uh, my mom died um when I was uh you know starting my climb. Um oh. so um, actually I flew back. Uh, from Gosani Kunda and Heli uh, to 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 you you know meet her for her final breath um, in hospital. Wow! And and you got there before she died. I was very lucky. Yeah. Wow. Well, that must have been really very moving. Uh, yeah, I wish uh, she was she was alive and uh, maybe you you you, you know. Um, maybe feel and look at that what I what I have achieved but you know that's how it's life my mom's picture is just here she's looking at me so yeah oh that's yeah. that's, that's very special where, now we're doing an interview with you where are you in the world at the moment today uh, I'm in Canterbury in Kent um, Canterbury in Kent home, yeah okay that's very nice with your own family uh yes with my family yes uh, now, I've got uh, three children and a wife um and I've seen some pictures you must have a very understanding wife and a very supportive three children yeah um yes i do have and without them i think um, i wouldn't um, able to go and climb and yeah i think it was lots of stress 
when I got when I lost my legs, uh, but also uh, when I when I'm climbing as well. So I, I think both. Um, and actually, what the um, you and I were talking about before we went live was the fact that, like many of my military friends who've been shot or blown up or whatever's happened to them, you have uh, suffered from and do suffer from PTSD and have had uh, six weeks of treatment. How does the PTSD affect you if you if you are prepared to talk about it? If you don't want to talk about it, I understand. But how does the PTSD affect you? Or how did it affect you after you were blown up? Uh, I do talk um, this. I think it, it's nothing to hide it. And I think, uh, you know, the more we talk, then more we can, you know, you know, solve the problem. I think any problem that hiding is we can't able to solve. So, so for me, is to you know discuss it, um, and that's the way we can solve. Um, initially, I thought uh, you know um, you know I thought that I'm the army man and the Gurkha. You know, I grew up very tough in my childhood, and uh, um, you, you know, in in, in you know, Gurkha in the British Army is is known to be tough, and. Uh, um, uh, I thought that way, um, and there was an incident when I was visited in America, and one of my firefighter friend he very kindly um, said to me uh, that okay, you need to go to um, I think see combat stress, and said oh, I don't want it, <laughs> and but he some ways referred me, and I went, and um, later I was diagnosed with uh, PTSD, and um, I. Um, I was helped a lot, especially, particularly, uh, I think, especially, uh, you know, we all have, we all going through some tough times in our life. Um, and uh, um, that time, I think we need someone to help us and where the combat stress um, helped me out, mainly just understanding about uh, mental health. Uh, you know, uh, and also how to manage it, you know, uh, lots of things is, is never go away. Um, in, and you will get back again, but mainly is about uh, you know how to manage um, the mental health side of things. But mm -hmm. Sometimes, sometimes very small things, you know, um, there is things that triggers um, uh, you know the negative feelings and uh, cutting that um, source um, uh, as soon as possible um, is, I think, sometimes very important. And sometimes it's very simple thing like a taking long breath to, uh, you know, going to the gym, you know, going going for a walk uh, or play with your kids and, uh, you know, pets or just just listening to the music and just doing some art. And if you love writing, just write and, you know, just giving call to the friends and talk something that, you know, completely irrelevant <laughs> sometimes. And and I think that, 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 that really um, helps, uh, but mm -hmm. also... Um, I think being mindful and just, um, you, you know, appreciate the life and, um, you know, uh, they also, uh, you know, educated me a bit more about psychological things, so which is, which, which help. Um, still, I do, uh, you know, have my down times, but, you know, I know how to manage them. So yeah. I think I'm right. <laughs> well, great, great wisdom and advice to us there, Harry. Um, and, I, and I know that a number of my friends who um, 
recovered from awful combat stress and problems and we've had some of them on the on the show special forces guys particularly with their ptsd they tended at first they didn't realize they were doing it but they tended to slip into the the habit of drinking more and more alcohol um, i did as well did, did that happen to you did that happen to <laughs> yeah, you yeah i did i did i did as well so um we used to go to four weeks at the rehabilitation center um at Hedlicott. Uh, and we come back four weeks for that home because our body needs time to recover it. Um, so um, what do you do at home? You don't have a job, you know, uh, what, do, what I have to do, you know? So simply, I just drank too much just to control my pain and emotion, sometimes mixing with my medication. And yeah, that didn't that definitely help. Um, yeah, you know, uh, and yeah, that at one point I just realized that you know, um, if I'm going this way, then yeah, I'm gonna die soon. So, yeah. if I die, it's my end of story. But you know, I think dying, killing yourself, is not uh, the solution. I think no. you're just gonna create more problems. So, um, you know, I don't want to do that, and I want to live for my family and. And after that, it completely, um, my life turned around. This very small thing is that, you know. So just a moment, uh, you know, turn around. And, and right, so, so my life was changed in simply a blink of eye. So in a blink of eye, you can hear life turn around. It's a long journey after that. but Yeah. It, it, well, it, it, life certainly has turned around. There you were in the House of Lords being recognised. You've met the prime minister. You've you you have been fated around the country for what you have achieved, and and I even am seeing for those who are watching on YouTube, they can see your peak cap, uh, the baseball cap. But is it saying HBM? Is it Harry Buddha Magar all mixed together? Is it little logo or is it something else? Uh, yeah. Initially, uh, we kind of, um, you know, I was more towards conquering dreams and because I really wanted to make it a communal. I'm not an individual guy, you know, I'm, I'm a very teamwork, uh, team player. Uh, and um, so it's, let's let's make a conquering dreams and just um, yeah, because simply this is my childhood dream, um, you know, so so let's make conquering dreams. And we were promoting conquering dreams, but later... My team said, okay, we need to promote you as a, to raise the fund. I know we can't raise, I think, through the concurrent dreams. So, yeah, we listed a HPM. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, they promoted me that way and actually worked um, as well because I did not know this is the puzzle that, um, you know, I'm the, I'm the army guy. I, 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 you know, I grew up in Nepal. Didn't know how to juggle the puzzles in the business world and some other world, uh, corporate world. So I, I just didn't know. So uh, my manager, Ryan, came and yeah, he juggled the puzzle. So um, um, yeah, we were able to uh, raise the fund. Uh, you know, initially, you know, if, it's, if you ask me what is the hardest thing uh, for every journey, it was raising the fund. It was really yeah, raise, fun. raising funds for anything, as I know, with a charity. We, my wife has a charity. Uh, the Inspiring Leadership Foundation, helping victims of violence against women and girls around the world. And and it is so hard raising funds, but raising funds to get and go and climb Mount Everest. It takes a lot to climb Mount Everest. And now, 
not only having done that, but Harry, you and your team now are aiming to raise £884,900. That's the height of Everest plus two zeros for five amazing charities that helped you during rehabilitation. And those are the Gurkha Welfare Trust, the On Course Foundation Team Forces, which uh, Major General Lamont Kirkland is their CEO, Blesma, and Pilgrim Bandits, always a little further, which I think is many of them are special forces guys, aren't they? Yes, so, I, yes, they are. And they really helped me initially, initiate, uh, you know, initial my adventure parts that they give me opportunity to, uh, you know, go to Yukon River in Canada and, and, and um, you know, kayak, um, you know, uh, you know, give give me opportunity to become the first, uh, one of the first amputee to kayak around Isle of Wight. Um, I, you know, we went and retested the route of uh, Coxshell Heroes um, in River Giron in France. Um, yeah, and you know, give me opportunity to do some skydivings and yeah, so many, so so many, so many things. So yeah, oh, wow. all of them like a like a blaze man, on course foundations. Uh, yeah, Tim Forces was uh, my biggest sponsors um, for the, my Everest climb, um, and uh, um, uh, Gorkha Welfare Trust was one of the first charity to come and support uh, for my Everest climb. Yeah, no, Gurkha Welfare Trust has, does an amazing job. And in my limited time with the Gurkhas, I was uh, attached to the Queen's Gurkha Signals as a young officer and uh went to hong kong with them and uh i loved my time with the gurkhas and also we went on trek in eastern nepal with uh two of my friends who were officers in the gurkhas and uh, everybody was so welcoming to us and one of the amazing things harry when we were on this trek in the middle of nowhere we came to a village and they said stop, stop, come 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 and they took us into this little tea shop and there were five five old blokes who must have been 80 90 they mm. all had the victoria cross five gurkhas at a reunion in a tea shop in nepal all had victoria crosses to be in the same room as them was phenomenal and they were all very humble people like you and that's i think why people have taken taken you to their hearts is because you're not the big i am it, it's you're talking about the team the people who helped you, your brother, um, even the upbringing with your with mm -hmm. your mother and your father, and the picture of your mother up there on the wall. Tell me about your father. Now, your father, he couldn't join the Gurkhas, if I'm right, but he wanted one of his sons to join the Gurkhas. Tell me the story about your father, and he's still alive, and and what an inspiration your father was and your mother to you. Um, yeah, but I think. Um... You know, I I don't believe in God, um, so you know I um, my gods are the people that uh, who help me uh, out in my life. Uh, you know, just day to day basis. Um, uh, from my parents who grew me up to the teachers that who gave me education and and uh, you know you know family friends that who supports me my day to day life my families and I call I call I call them my God. So talking about uh, my dad, uh, yeah, he he was uh, amazing man in his own <laughs> way. I think it's a very strong character, and um, um, so uh, my uh, last three generations were just one son each. 
So my great great uh, great grandfather, grandfather, and my father was just one son. Uh, at that time, um, you know, uh, let's say if uh, and my brothers, uh, and if I don't have a you know son, then my inheritance would pass down to uh, my uh, brothers' sons. So that's how it was. So sons was sons were regarded very uh, highly in Nepal at that time. Now, um, you know, it passed down to inheritance, inheritance passed down to, um, you know, son, daughter equally now. Um, and uh, uh, my, my dad escaped with his friends and went to India to join the Gurkhas. And my granddad uh, went and brought him back because, you know, he... He, he want to carry his, his you know uh, you know blood forward i, I think mm -hmm. uh, then uh, he we are three brothers i'm the oldest one he always used to tell us that yeah one of you should join the Gurkhas. and he also used to tell us that you know british army is very tough try indian army uh, and if not be in a police army and i think um, he was very inspired by his friends when they come to leave with the very smart and very so that she had and things like that. I, so, so, uh, uh, and um, he always used to say that. And simply, uh, I just listened to my dad and tried. And yeah, not 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 just in the army, but I became Brisan, uh, which is the, so. As a being a Nepalese boy, you can join four different armies. So we have British Army, um, Singapore Police. Uh, which is their paramilitary, so they don't have an army, so they do, you know, police does a put up, uh, and also uh, Indian army and Nepalese army. So yeah, I was very fortunate um, and very lucky to join a brigade of Gurkhas and serve 15 years. And in that year, I got in 230 out of um, uh, over 12,000 applicants that year. So, 12,000 applicants and you were number yeah. 230. It, it is a very, I know it's a very tough selection process to get in and the cream of the crop get into the British army uh, and you you got in and, and you joined the first Royal Gurkha Rifles. In my day when I was a young officer, um, my ex-wife served as the assistant agent when first, second Gurkha Rifles, uh, Bridget. And... Um, Various friends of mine served in 7th, in 6th Gurkha Rifles, in 10th Gurkha Rifles. Um, and we had a reunion of my platoon at Santos, 43 years on. And one of our friends was there who was a 10th Gurkha Rifle, Jerry Jerry White. Um, so it, it is very special. And now they're down to, is it the, the first Royal Gurkha Rifles and second, or is it just first? Yeah, we, we are two regiments at the moment. So first and second. Uh, second are best in Sunclip um, here, and we got uh, one RGR uh, best in Brunei, uh, who is, was I was very uh, fortunate to visit them a few months ago. Oh yeah. Uh, um. So uh, every three years we change over. Yeah. Well, no, it, it it's very now they change over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now they change over. Well, but there you were. You had fifteen years. Um, you, you were, I think, trained as a sniper, which is very hard. When I ran the snipers course, it was one of the toughest courses in the Green Howers. I was a, an infantry officer and, and it was one of the tough. I had some really excellent sniper trainers, sergeants and staff sergeants who were very good at training the snipers. So you were a sniper. 
Uh, and also, I think, uh, first aid medic. Was that right? Um, I, I was team medic. Team medic. Few times, uh, yeah, I was I was team medic um, a few times. Yeah. Yeah. So so you got lots of experience. And there you were on a tour in Afghanistan, leading your section out. Tell us what happened after you left the base on the day that you you got hit by the IED, which uh, took off your legs and injured your arm as well. Uh, yeah, we, you know, I, I wasn't with my section on that day. So we we're just command group. Above the section commander, we went to familiarization patrol with the, someone else. So so that, that was it. This is why I was in the middle of the, normally I'm the, uh, you, you know, I, I, I'm the multiple twice and I am the last, um, you know, from from back, I'm the second person <laughs> to administer, you, you, you know, you, you know, what, what we did um, uh, and, and, and support uh, the platoon commander. So that was uh, my, my, my job. Um, but on that day, um, our, uh, you know, uh, on that day, it was to go and familiarize area by, yeah, you know, you know, command group. So um, um, there are lots of commanders above section commanders, and we had a, we had a team that who was already in the ground. So they took us to familiarize the area, and uh, yeah, we're just going across a couple of compounds. Uh, uh, initially, we had orders and uh, rehearsals and. Uh, prepare the kit uh, and uh, yeah um, went on past couple of compounds some irrigation ditches and uh, yeah we're just working on side of the public field and suddenly went bang and yeah lost both my legs sustained other injuries uh, luckily my friends did amazing job the colleagues in the team they patched me up um, they gave me a phosphate they called the heli they cleared the hls and yeah 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 they they evacuated me on time so they saved my life so i'm very yeah. grateful for all those um, um my colleagues that um, yeah who saved my life yeah well we we had uh, major nick garland who got rpg round went into his throat and down there and he died twice on the helicopter but they kept him alive and the point that nick was saying on his podcast was that it's really important you've got a certain amount of time um to get somebody evacuated otherwise they mm. will die and it sounded like they acted very quickly and got the helicopter in quickly which saved your life you wouldn't be here now if it wasn't for that team of everybody all the support and the medics and the helicopters it's a whole system isn't it helping people live yeah, I think I was very lucky on that day. So um, two American helicopters, uh, Pedro's, they were going to the another mission uh, and I was much more critical than that mission. So I think that diverted me to pick me up. So I was evacuated me in 17 minutes. Wow. Minutes. That's that's amazing. Yeah. And where were you in Afghanistan? Which Were you in Helmand or...? Yes, we were in uh, uh, Patrol Base 2 uh, in Nares Raj district in Helmand province. Yeah, yeah, it, it's a it's been a, a deadly a deadly place for so many people. We also had Colonel Stuart Tootle, who was the CEO of Three Para, and he lost a lot of his men on his um, his particular tour, which was supposed to be no no bullets being fired and it was just peace support operations but it never was like that they fired five hundred thousand rounds um so it was crazy um 
So your service with the Gurkhas means a lot to you. And and I was very touched by by you talking on one of the interviews that you did that that when you were injured and taken away to save your life and then to recover at Headley Court, you all the time were thinking that you should be back with your team and your section and your platoon, your company, your battalion. Tell us, uh, tell us about that, that feeling that you should, you, you, you shouldn't be getting better. You should be back helping them. What about them? Other people? Uh, yeah. When I got, uh, so uh, just telling about my team was I was uh, we we had a platoon commander who um, came from Sanders and we trained six months and we went to Afghanistan. I was uh, his second in command. Uh, I was multiple twice. Um, um, and um, I was the most senior Gurkha in the squad. Uh, and we had uh, we had very young boys who just uh, you know passed the recruit company and we trained uh, you know six six months or more slightly more um, um, and you know um, you know took them to uh, Afghanistan uh, and when we trained here we trained that you know there will be no one who will be coming to save us in the battlefield. So we need to help each other. So in army, we, we have saying that, you know, you watch my back, uh, you know, I watch your back. Uh, and also a couple of things that um, we used to joke, but also you know, serious as well. Um, so simply just, uh, you know, if let's say uh, he, he, uh, he, you, you know, one of, one of, one of our section commander is to say, guys, if I blown up, just check that one, and if if that wasn't there, just shoot me, shoot me. I just, I just don't want to leave it. <laughs> he used to say so. I was very, uh, you know, it was very nice to meet him at House of Lord. I invited him as because he took over my job once I got, yeah, I got, I got blown up, uh, and we were there to, you know, do the uh, as a best job as we could. And that job given by our uh, commanders, uh, and also look after the boys and make sure um, uh, be safe um, and uh, come back home. Uh, that was the main aim. And unfortunately, you couldn't bring uh, one of our, you know, our best soldier home, uh, back home. Uh, my platoon commander and the another uh, guy also injured on the. Two, so we were simply four down out of fourteen in our squad. Um, yeah, I, I, so I was uh, injured uh, in the you know different incident, and three of them were where um, you know one was died and two were injured in different incident. So, sorry, just just to ch check there. Um, you say your platoon commander was injured and three yeah. other. Was yeah. your platoon commander killed or was he injured? No, no, no. He 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 was injured. Um, he is still serving, you know. He is he. Just, Are you still in touch? Arm. Do you still keep in touch? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know. I invited him. Uh, he's a very good friend of. Uh, What's his name? Mine. Give us uh, mention Charlie him. Russell. Charlie. So Major Charlie Russell now. So Major he came, Charlie Russell. Okay. Yeah, and he came and also uh, commanded our company as well, C Company One RGI as well. So I think. 
which is I was very happy as well. Um, uh, yeah, and uh, and we used to tell that yeah. So it, it, so if something happens, they make sure you know buddy buddy system. Let's say help each uh, each other, uh, and yeah, let's uh, you know, be safe and you know fuck out of from here. <laughs> that was bad. <laughs> it did become the case, and um, that's how life. And um, I remember. I attended his uh, funeral, his rifleman, Suraj Grun. Um, he was our radio operator. And on that day, um, I have been told that he so he was a radio operator. He should be at the back. And he volunteered to be a valor man, the front man. And yeah, he was killed. Um, so um, uh, I we were doing the brigade uh, remem uh, remembrance in uh, York Minister uh, after um, our two. And I was just so overwhelmed by, you know, hearing the 70 people who died for six months too. Um, it was absolutely deadless. 70 uh, people? And, yeah, 70 yeah, people. yeah, I just, I just, I just, I just cried a lot. I mean, honestly, I cried in, in the, some of it. This even, I cried in the, uh, you know, you know, reunion after, you know, coming back mm. uh yeah I, I don't know maybe people say soldiers don't cry but yeah i i, I cried lots we did. I, I cried we in did. front of my commanding officer and garka major when i was lying in the bed at a campus and i just couldn't held up and i just thought that i let down everyone i let down my team my chain of command and yeah i think i should be shouldn't be lying uh, on the bed. I should be doing my job, um, uh, you know, in the battlefield. And, have you, uh, and, you know, have you managed to, have you managed to come to terms with the fact that that was not your fault at all? It was a complete chance that you were in that place at that time with that device. There wasn't any um, error on your part. It's just, you were unlucky. Have you come to that terms or is it still something that haunts you? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I I don't have a regret for getting blown up, uh, you know. Even if I, I wasn't me, then someone would blown up on that place, you know. Uh, and I was just just unlucky, just wrong guy at wrong time, uh, you know. Nine people who just crossed the same path didn't blow blew up, and I blew up. I was mm -hmm. tenth guy, and I blew up when I approached it. Yeah, you know, just, it's just, it's just, and this is how is life, you know. Well, life, I was, life I, I was, I was going to say, Harry, that's the lesson for everybody listening around the world. They may not be in the military, but things happen to them and the ones they love, and 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 it's just this is sometimes what happens, and it's not the fact it happens to you; it's how you handle it, and you have handled it, okay, after you went through the PTSD and the drinking and things like that, but with the the ascent of Everest on the 19th of May, 2023, you've handled it incredibly well. And you're such a motivation to all of us. You don't know the number of people you've met. Even me this morning, before I came on this podcast, I had my morning weight session. I was pushing more weights and I was holding planks for longer, whatever it is, because of you. So little things where I go, who am I to complain if Harry who has lost his legs above the knee, climbed Mount Everest, what am I ever going to complain about? It puts things in perspective, Harry. So thank you from all of us. Thank you.
Yeah, but I think um, we have a choice. Uh, we should uh, live our life uh, or give up. And uh, simply, I want to live life. Uh, you know, I think whatever, uh, you know, I wouldn't able to serve in the Gurkhas if, you know, 46,000 the Gurkhas, they haven't given their life. Mm. Um, and because they create this opportunity platform, so I was able to serve. Um, so, uh, whatever. Just, just stay, stay with that. You said 46,000 Gurkhas have given their life. O over 46,000 Gurkhas have given their life for the United Kingdom. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah, so, um, uh, wow, just whatever, wh you know, whatever we have, you know, you and I, very, you know, in a very relaxed way, we talking the things, some of things, and somebody has given uh, this freedom and rights to um, do that, you know, mm. exercise our freedom, exercise our rights. Uh, but many people around the world at the moment, even they, they don't they don't have right right mm -hmm. they are they are in fear. Um, and whatever we have right now was created by our uh, last generations uh, and you know our past generations. And whatever we can give something right now to for our future generations, I think. Uh, that's what motivates me um, uh, to do the things that some of the things that I love. Yeah, well, th there's no doubt about it that the the climbing of Mount Everest for for so many is a, like a we call it a metaphor for overcoming life's obstacles and reaching new heights. What advice will you give to people uh, who had never been in the military and they never will be in the military? They're in business. Many many of our listeners are in business. But what advice would you give them about overcoming obstacles from your experience? Um, I think in life, very small things matter. You know, just even when you, as you said about in the gym, just doing one more rep, all right? That, that, that. And in each, in the, after my injury, um, let's take it about uh, from my childhood. Uh, I was I was born in a cow shed and didn't see outside the world. So only I knew was my village and uh, didn't know much much about it. Uh, then I was just positive and in doing something for some good deeds and you know just just uh, do something good for myself, good for my family. And then uh, some ways you know I joined the British Army, came around here. I never thought that I would. Um, promoted, <laughs> but, but I did very good my you know junior leadership cadre, and I start prom getting promoted, and which is I never thought that you know when and and you know I lost my legs, I lost my career, definitely lost my job, and and you know um, I went climb the Mount Everest, and honestly when we were positive um, uh, before climbing Everest. Um, Simply, I couldn't climb on my wheelchair. I couldn't go to the toilet myself. I couldn't have a shower. I couldn't brush my teeth. Um, couldn't have make a tea myself. And the very simple basics that I couldn't able to do. And when I accomplish one, I feel that sense of accomplishment. Yeah, I did this, and 
you know, go and do next one. And uh, and it gives courage to do next one. And, and I slowly, slowly keep doing one after another and after another, start driving a cars and start doing these sports and pretty much all the sports and adventures. And uh, I went, uh, climbed Everest. And I think when we are positive uh, and we have a God, I think in life, there's two things very, very important for me. One is one is positive attitude and right mindset. Um, if we have those, then even, you know, some people throw at you the garbage or in the mud, you still bloom like a flower. So I think I, I think. So so whatever happened, whatever life throw at throw you at on anything. If we have a positive attitude, uh, right mindset, but also uh, we need to have a um, uh, we need to have a right um, and good intentions because if we do something uh, with the bad intentions, it will have a bad result. So we need to have a good intentions in life, and if we have it, you know, good for the team, good for uh, ourselves, good for the family, good for the community. Hopefully, it would be good for the country, good for the world, maybe good for the humanity. Uh, very, very wise words. Positive attitude, right mindset, uh, good intentions. Um, and it's the very small things that matter in life. I, I really will take those away. Um, when you were talking, Harry, um, uh, about you know being in a wheelchair and things like that, I'm also conscious I've seen you when you were climbing Everest, you had these little claws and it made you very small and short as you were trying to get mm-hmm. up there. And it was really hard on the ice and slipping mm-hmm. back and stuff like that. But also when you go to the House of Lords and you go and meet the prime minister, you put on your legs. Now, uh, this is this sounds like a strange question, but I was interested to know, did you ask them to make extra special legs? So you were taller than everybody else or taller than you were before. Are you the same height? that you were before the accident when you've got your legs on or are you taller? I'm trying to know. <laughs> uh, yeah. So sometimes I joke and people laugh, um, you know, being disabled is not all disadvantage, you know, uh, we have a, quite a few advantages as well. So very small things. I'm twins taller than I was because I can't be any shorter. My legs can't be made shorter. Uh, so if I want to be six foot, I can be. <laughs> but I don't want it. <laughs> I want it my original size. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, and also uh, I upgraded my shoe size as well. So because I have a twice. So, <laughs> fortunately, I you know I can change both of my shoes. So yeah, I don't. Yeah. I, you know, if I had just one leg, then I have. You know, if I upgrade one, one of my leg would be shoe size would be bigger and another is smaller. So I fortunately have. Uh, you, you know, I was double amputated, so so I can change my same shoe size. So I, I upgraded my shoe size. Uh, I very hardly change my socks, or only I change it when they get wet uh, and stink. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> not, not, normally, I don't sweat, so uh, <laughs> so so yeah, a few things. And simply for me, is those legs you said about the crampons, they were never designed. So um, I went to my center here and prosthetic center and ask them and uh, do you have any legs that uh, i can climb on ice and snow and says no there's not not a such a kind in the world wow so so uh so um i asked them i will bring something can you just weld it up and put a screw on and make it work and 
Nasari, you can't do it. It's health and safety. Um, um, you know, the, the strength really is I can't even, you know, toss the screws myself. You know, that's the what the rule um, is. Uh, and, um, you know, that's fine. We'll find it. And we found one of my friends in Colorado. He was welding at his garage and doing some ice climbing. He sent me a pair. Uh, but problem was that was just one. He is one um, uh, above knee MPT, and I'm two double uh, above knee MPT, and we have to design kind of on my mind. Uh, and yeah, we and lots of my friends also tell me that I don't have a toes and I wouldn't have frostbite, but I can't afford to lose more limbs. Um, so uh, we design heating sockets and, and install heating sockets. So yeah, and when we challenge ourselves, you know things that. In the opportunities that we create ourselves, we create for others, but also hopefully those things, you know, will be helpful for the people for our future generations. And 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 at the moment we're doing research and developments with the uh, one of the biggest prosthetic company, Autobuck. I'm their global brand ambassador. Um, so hopefully we'll make some difference and their their motto is we empower people and hopefully together uh, I will help them to empower people. I'm, I'm sure you do. And it's interesting you were talking on one of your podcasts. I've listened to you a lot and you're very engaging um, about the fact that before you had the uh, double above the knee amputation because of the IED explosion in Afghanistan, you um, had looked upon people in Nepal as, oh dear, you know, they're in wheelchairs. It, it's still, they haven't got their full limbs. They're not really, you know, it, it was, you didn't, you looked down on people like that a bit, not in a bad way, but just you weren't, you didn't give them the chance. Whereas now I think people are much more accepting and break, and you're breaking some barriers of people with disability. Do you want to just talk about, how you're helping to break barriers with people with disability and how we should think about people with disabilities like yourself how how would you like to be treated um simply i'm a human being um my mind is the same my heart is the same only you see is you don't see my legs uh, and maybe some you see my metal legs <laughs> whatever or whatever that so maybe some longer or shorter uh, it depends on terrain, terrain and depends on activity. I use different legs for uh, different purposes. Uh, and yeah, initially, even my families and friends, um, you know, not bad way, but um, a bit sympathetic way, treated me, treated me differently. And, um, you know, I'm the same guy. So why are you treating me different? If I need help, I'll ask you. Or, or just say, do you need help? Ask me, do you need help? And you know, you know, I'll say yes or no. <laughs> so, um, so that, but also um, about big, about one and a half, two years of my time, I really, really struggle myself, accepting uh, myself who I am um, as a, you know, accepting that I lost my legs. Uh, and I think the best thing happened after my injury was, I think, you know, uh, I recognize who I am than trying to live somewhat. But when I was in teenagers, I used to say, oh, if I 
if I mm, become a bit taller, it would be nice. And if I, you know, I'm slightly darker skin in, you know, in, in, in average Nepalese people. And if I had some fairer skin, it would be nice. And if my nose would be pointy, it would be nice. <laughs> you know? So, so I was kind of, you know, I used to look at and you know keep the long hair, looking at the, you know, you know, like uh, you know movie stars and you know, <laughs> you know. so, 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 uh, you know, even in the in the brigade of God, because you know, you, you you see the style of the uh, you, you know commanders, right? And uh, you copy them, and you know, and uh, for me later, I kind of realized that you know I need to live in. Uh, I kind of realized that we are three brothers. We three different characters. We have three different characters, but also when you know whoever created us, nature created us. It created us. You know, it gives us different identity. It gives different DNA. So we need to live as a who we are. Then and later, you know, I had you know my arm is injured. If you see that, mm -hmm. and uh, surgeon said we we we'll do the plastic surgery and we we'll make it as a normal uh, and said. I don't. I, I lost my legs, so why I need nice? I don't need it. You know? <laughs> and, and you know, I think it's very little things that I was trying to be someone else. And once, once in the heart, inside your heart, we accept who you are, um, and accept. You know, some of us were not privileged to born in the good background, um, good country, and um, uh, you, you know, good family. Uh, but once you are eighteen, you are adult. We are sitting in our uh, in last driving seat. Whatever life we want to make us is us. It's us. Do we want to reach uh, poor? Uh, do do we want to die as being as a poor, or we want to decently? It's it, simply we have lots of choices. We can we can change the job. We can change the uh, friends. We can change the things that we want to do. Uh, and I think. Um, you know, whatever we have done yesterday, this is why we are today. What we'll do today, that's what I think will become tomorrow. Um, and I think, so let's say, let's say, if, let's say I became, okay, Prime Minister of Nepal tomorrow, and my opposition maybe, let's say, uh, you know, you are puppet of the British and whatever this says to me. <laughs> I have no choice. I know I'm proud. So there, we can't change our past, but we can be loyal uh, to what we do. We have right intentions uh, and do our best. I think that's, I think, what we can do. And I think we be proud. If you don't have a mom and dad, just be proud. You born without mom and dad and you still can do something in life. You okay. can make a meaningful life. And also, uh, if you if you born poor like myself, then um, uh, you know do something that um, you know we can make our you know making a money uh, is you know being a rich. I think you know happiness is not you know having lots of money, lots of wealth, being famous, um, and you know whatever that. You see it, you know. That is not a thing, you know. You know. I think it's 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 simply a state of mind, and you can be happy uh, without legs. You can be happy without arms. You can be happy without name and fame. Can be happy without uh, money. So uh, we can be, and it's a difference. It's our values, our mindset, and and I think it depends on how we perceive the 
things, I think, in my view. Wow. Great pearls of wisdom from you, Harry. Thank you. And speaking from someone who's been through it all, um, I'm just, I'm really soaking all that in. But the one person I'm curious to hear about is the angel in your life, otherwise known, as you talked about family, as your wife, because she must have put, gone through a lot, not only with your service in the Gurkhas, but then she was told that her husband was probably killed or injured or didn't know whether you're going to live. And then she had to live with you through your uh, period of PTSD and depression where you were drinking and you were not sure who you were and she was trying to help, but you didn't want help because you were trying to be yourself. It must have been very hard for her. Tell me her name and and what what is so special about your wife? Uh, my wife is, um, uh, her name is Urmila, uh, and uh, it was really hard. Um, even when I was, uh, she said, I'm going to climb mountain. Uh, she said, you know, you, know you, you have already given us enough trouble, don't give us any more. And she does, she exactly says to me, same. And she says, stay at, stay at home, look after the children. Uh, and my mom used to tell me, um she said uh why why are you um being stupid and <laughs> going to do the things that you shouldn't do my mom used to tell me um as well um and because why why do you need to do the things and and i think i think as i think a parent i think i think that's i think maybe some is the right thing as well and she didn't have a bad intentions at all to saying that and she wanted me to be just uh, stay at home stay with the family you know look after them you know i think that's the um, my my mom one wanted and she said what is not enough for you you know <laughs> you you you, you you can sit, watch the daily, spend your uh, family rest of your life, you know. You know? Um, and but as you know, when you're got your instinct says you, know, you don't listen, and I think you, I think best thing is to listen to it. your instinct, I think. <laughs> and I don't think instinct is most of the time it's right. I think I think, and which which actually I did. Uh, and yeah, I think for my well, my wife um, and my children, it's a very simple thing. We couldn't go to uh, our neighbors, um, you know, uh, our relatives, because I was in a wheelchair. Their house wasn't adopted wheelchair. I wasn't invited. Very simple reasons. Um, and also, uh, couldn't go. I couldn't go and you know kick around football with my children that I used to do. Um, uh, we couldn't go to the holiday that uh, were, um, you know, not accessible. Uh, so there are lots of things that still I can't do. And, um, and all days it was really hard. Uh, I think for me, I was very adaptable. Um, you know, I, I travel around the world. Um, you know, I was strong uh, physically, mentally, and I, I adapted quite easily. But for my family, that was very, very hard. My uh, so we just, uh, my wife just came. Uh, we we were in Brunei and came here in the UK. This first time she was here, uh, and she was looking after uh, a very young um, son. Um, and um, couple of things is you know 
in our community, it's very hard that, you know, having uh, a, a, a disabled husband is very hard in our community. Uh, and, um, you, you know, this is, I think, uh, I didn't answer your question earlier about, you know, um, uh, you know, changing a perception and simply, uh, you know, when I got injured, I thought that, uh, you know, you, you know, I couldn't able to do anything. Uh, you know, I realized, I thought that I would sit on a wheelchair rest of my life and, you know, my my wife has to look after me rest of my life. And I didn't know that whether my wife was prepared to stick with me um, for the rest of my life. Mm. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, for, for me, going to climb mountain is not creating history and things like that. Uh, it's about more about changing a perception on people with disability because my perception and many Nepalese people in Nepal uh, think that, not in Nepal, but ma many countries around the world think that, you know, Disabled people can't do anything, um, and that means we are burden of the earth, uh, and maybe something we have done in previous lives. So maybe we are having it, but you can be wrong place at wrong time. You know, you can just go into the walk. Somebody, you may may crash the car, and or you just you know walking down the stairs, you fall down, hit your head on on somewhere, and sit on the wheelchair rest of life, or maybe uh, passed away as well. So. Uh, those are the perception that we have. And in our uh, society, I think perception is, I think, the huge, huge things. And uh, we have to adopt. My family also has to adopt with me, with the society. I think that was the hardest part for my family to adjust. Uh, now, I think it's slightly easier because, you know, I used to go to the, some of our gatherings and used to, I'm still the same guy, you know, you know, I still want to have a fun, you know, to want to dance even on a wheelchair or whatever it is. So, I'm, you know, you know, I'm a human, you know, I, I, I need entertainment and, you know, it doesn't really matter if you've got a legs or not, you can still have a fun. Uh, and when I did that and, and, and the people, especially, you know, um, especially like a very old generation of the, we call it Baje Baje in the granny's age. And it's, oh, uh, poor guy, why he, um, you know, he should, why he's here and he should stay at, um, you know, home. You know, you know, those are things. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I don't want to be there poor, you know, you know, I want to do something in my life. You know? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, you, you <laughs> so, Harry, you certainly have done something in your life. And, and you've been a real inspiration and a role model to us. And just in the last couple of minutes, I, I want to uh, get your top tip. Every leader finishes the podcast mm -hmm. with a top tip on inspiring leadership, something practical that people can do that served you well, but you pass it on to other people. Here's my best tip. So let's just let's just do a little clip here. And I want you to say who you are, what you've just done. Tell them about Everest mm -hmm. and then share your top tip. So over to you, Harry. We'll record this one now. Your top tip. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I consider myself a leader. <laughs> so introduce yourself, Harry. Tell, tell them who you are. Yeah. Okay. Uh, 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 hello. My name is uh, Hari Brabagan. Uh for my tips uh, for the leaders is uh, lead by example, fair 
them treat treat them uh, fairly listen to their concerns uh, and ideas respect and look after your subordinates uh, create a good working environment and give them a hope and fuel the will to walk or fight. Harry, thank you very much. It, it has been one of the most special podcasts that I've done, and I've done almost 300. Um, your inspiration to me and many around the world to help break barriers for disability, but also for your fine service in the Gurkhas uh, and in the British Army, but also what you've been through in losing both your legs above the knees, um, but yet still you've summited and you climbed Mount Everest, but you also did Mira Peak, uh, Chulafaris, Kilimanjaro and Mont Blanc. I just have great respect for you, Harry. Please stay in touch, stay on the line, um, but we'll finish the recording now. And thank you for being on the Inspiring Leadership Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for listening. We hope we've ignited your curiosity and broadened your perspectives. My guests and I provide this service to you for free. All we ask in return is that you share it now with one other leader you know, so they also benefit too. Please subscribe, rate, and review us on your podcast platform. We value your feedback and invite you to connect with us through my website, jonathanperks.com, where you can sign up for your weekly podcast newsletter. You can also follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. I'm your host, Jonathan Bowman Perks, and thank you for joining us on the Inspiring Leadership Podcast. You can hear another unique guest next Tuesday. Goodbye. Goodbye.